the Saturday and Beyond the Vibe. I'm joined by Hannah Wickland. Started playing rock and roll when I was so young. We were covering, you know, the Scorpions. Like we were covering like all these songs. Like I was covering ACDC. I was singing a lot of, uh, you know, playing a lot of the more like rock riffs. Covering Joan Jett, and I love Joan Jett, and but she's she's more of that like black leather pants rock and roll, and and I definitely went through that era and that phase, but um, I think the beauty of this record was me defining my own style of rock and roll. This time, of course, you're, you're joined by uh, Sam Kiska of uh, Greta Van Fleet, who produced it as well, and also Daniel of uh, Greta as well. We were starting to look for um, producers, and we had never met, and he he just goes, oh, I'll, I'll produce it. I'd always dreamed of it being a band, you know? Like, I never wanted to be Hannah Wickland. I wanted to be in a band called the Stepping Stones and have my guys with me and have it be like a full family affair, kind of like what Greta Van Fleet has. Um, actually, exactly like what Greta Van Fleet has. And of course, you're on tour now and it's been a bit of a, a busy period. Recently mm -hmm. been in the UK playing like arenas. Yeah. I mean, I saw it, was it Wembley uh, a yeah. few days ago? It's like, I mean, that must have been an experience. It's vastly different from uh, the last two tours that I did over here, which I, I like to tell people to put it into perspective. The first time I toured over in Europe in like 2017, uh, I was literally like sleeping above a gas station in Spain. So I'm here with uh, Hannah Wickland. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm very thrilled to be here. I'd like to kind of start things off by taking a look at those early years for a musician as, you know, I feel that that kind of shapes who they're going to be as an artist. Um, so did you, you know, was there a moment for you that made you want to become a musician? Did you have like a thing? It was like, this is for me. Or did you grow up in like a musical household maybe? I grew up in a musical household. My dad had started a band uh, on Hilton Head Island, where I am from. Uh, he was like the drummer for just kind of like a classic rock cover band kind of vibe, but back in like the 80s. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have an older brother uh, who's seven years older than me, and he started playing drums when he was three years old so by the time i was around music we already had a music room in the house so one of my like very 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 earliest memories is digging through a basket of um like you know like shakers and tambourines and like sleigh bells and uh and then shortly after that i i started playing piano when i was um about three and a half years old and i right away went into lessons and i was learning you know initially i kind of had the merry little lamb start and then very quickly i started uh playing classical music and by the time i was six years old i was doing classical competitions and when i was eight years old i remember coming out on christmas day and there was a guitar sitting 
by the Christmas tree. And I was so excited and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. And then my dad had to deliver me the bad news that that was actually for my older brother. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, I know. And <laughs> I think my dad seeing me get that excited and, and I have the most supportive parents in the world. And so upon seeing me get so excited about this guitar that wasn't mine, I ended up uh, getting my first my first guitar a few months later and and I very quickly started playing much more guitar than piano and one of my biggest regrets is is I kind of fell off the wagon with the old piano and I was just I was just at the cusp of being able to sight read and, and play some more complex classical pieces and um, I, let's just say I, I if I really worked at it, I know those skills are still there, but it's been a long time. So <laughs> rock and roll took over. That's what I'll mm. say. I think growing up, everybody has that that kind of first band that they really connect with, like it's their band or musician. Did you have kind of one in particular that was for you? Definitely the Beatles. Uh, they were they were my complete introduction to music uh, right around that age of like four years old when I was playing piano my dad bought me a book called I think it was called Beatles Easy Play Today and by no means was uh, the piano parts in that book what was actually happening in the music but it was this really great uh, foundation where you know you're playing the the chords on your left hand and you're doing the melody a lot of times the vocal melody so remember this is before YouTube and this was before you know you could really access whatever song you wanted at any time so I actually learned a great deal of Beatles songs before I had ever even heard them I would just kind of open up the book and my dad uh, obviously knew their catalog and of course I I was like listening to them and stuff, but it it wasn't so easy. Uh, the the system, you know, like our like audio system was in the other end of the house than the piano. So I was really just exploring these songs on my own. But um, the song "Oh Darlin" was my first ever like go to song. That was my that was my party trick song, and and I did. Uh, a lot of musical theater between the ages of five and nine and when you would go in for your audition I would sit down at the piano and I would play Oh Darling and that was kind of my calling card for many years. Mm. I mean obviously like the Beatles is you know a much older band so did, was you surrounded by kind of that old school music growing up? Yeah I, I I'd say that about 99% of the music that I took in as, I mean, honestly, still, um, is very much rooted in that classic rock, rock and roll, kind of Beatles, Rolling Stones, Jefferson Airplane and Starship and uh, all of that kind of stuff. I really, I really gravitated towards the 60s uh, mm. early on and then the 70s and you know that was the 60s and 70s were definitely and still are like my my favorite era of music mm. um your upcoming album uh, the prize uh, which is out january 12th um this time of course you're you're joined by uh, sam kiska of uh, grav and fleet 
who produced it as well, and also Daniel of Greer uh, as well on drums. Of course, that's a, a new dynamic this time around for you. Um, how did that kind of conversation first come about? Well, we actually, I was working with uh, the same management as them for, for a period of time, and it was at the point of getting this record started and there was a suggestion made which come to find out I guess Sam had seen a video of of my audio tree performance and had kind of heard that we were starting to look for um, producers and we had never met and he he just goes oh I'll I'll produce it and he had never produced anything (laughs) Um, and he was actually two years my junior so going into the studio with him after having worked with a handful of you know kind of older older guys older producers um, I went in with a really open mind because I had started my career I started my band when I was eight years old and I had always dreamed of it being a band you know like I never wanted to be Hannah Wickland I wanted to be in a band called the Stepping Stones and have my guys with me and have it be like a full family affair kind of like what Greta Van Fleet has mm-hmm. um, actually exactly like what Greta Van Fleet has and so when we went into the studio that first day it was just it was almost like I had gone back in time a little bit because he felt more like a band member and more of like a friend than this more dominating producer energy that I had felt in the studio before. So in the world of collaboration, it was just, we hit the ground running and uh, it was a few weeks into the project that then Daniel came into the fold because we needed a drummer. And Sam was like, I know the perfect guy. Yeah. And uh, they they are just, I think, the best rhythm section in rock and roll right now. You know, they're especially for, you know, like mm-hmm. on the cusp of people still, you know, creating new, new music and, and on the upswing of their career. I mean, they're... Um, so rock solid and so it really rounded out these songs in a beautiful way because I came into this project having all of the songs written and the arrangements for the most part were there. I had been living with these songs for many years before we went into the studio. So ultimately what I was looking for out of a producer was somebody who was going to come in and you know take a magnifying glass to the songs and help me help me kind of with parts not you know the songs were there but I want in order to get the absolute most out of a song in the studio you know you want to be digging into every bass line every drum fill uh, every vocal line you know and and that was the attention that that Sam brought to the project so I I adored I adored that recording process hmm. I mean I imagine that's like an extra thing there isn't it because he's part of it like with him playing on it mm-hmm. it's not just a producer is it you know there's that extra yeah. level of collaboration um obviously like with this new i'm about did you look at kind of approaching it any differently this time compared to your debut i mean i know that like you've been combining kind of mediums this time doing art for each song um with with the uh with the music is was this kind of a a thing that you wanted to do from the beginning no that was not something that i planned on 
Um, like I said, you know, I had these songs for many years. I finished the last song. I finished the title track, The Prize, which was the last song that I wrote for the record um, in January of 2019. So we didn't get into the studio until, gosh, I think it was 2021. And, um, and then the album was finished before I started the art side of this project because in a parallel universe this record should have and could have been released uh, early last year and without going too deep into uh, the painful parts um, you know this business cannot be fun sometimes and there's a lot of people that uh, that come into play when you're releasing a record and and I had uh, quite a few obstacles put in my way when it came to the release of this record. And so I found myself, you know, with this album that I loved without a path to release it. And that's where the art side came into focus is because I had, during COVID, dived back into my artwork. I had, I had done that when I was a kid. My mom's an artist. So the art side of my life is, um, you know, has always been parallel to my music. And, you know, when I was a teenager, I had done album, my own album covers and stuff like that. But I life had gotten busy and I hadn't done my artwork for a long time. And um, I found myself with this record and I had a lot of time on my hands and I chose to pour even more of myself into this project because it just didn't feel right. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, I felt like if I just kind of started writing a bunch of songs for the next record or, mm. or expressing my creativity that way, when this record was still kind of on a shelf, um, I felt like I was like dishonoring these songs that meant so much to me. So my crazy self just decided like, oh, you know what? I don't know how this is going to go, but I know that I'm just going to dive in even deeper and i'm so happy that i did and and in hindsight you know if if the road to releasing this record wasn't so bumpy then i never would have i never would have done these paintings and i still have paintings to go when i get off of tour i have uh i have basically the second half of the record to complete um and it's been it's been an art project of a lifetime so i'm i'm very grateful for all of the all of the painful parts as well as the positive parts mm, i mean it makes it that much sweeter though when it does come out because it's like you you're finally there you've hit that moment <laughs> <laughs> finally finally <laughs> yeah it's it's quite amazing that i finished writing this record uh in 2019 and it will have been five years mm. uh when it is finally released and you know i definitely i definitely don't plan on my next record taking that long and i've been really fortunate part of the part of the path of of this whole process has led me to really solidifying my own record label which i released my last record on my own label, Strawberry Moon Records, you know, years and years ago. And now I've, I've built up uh, a really 
kind of permanent home for it. And so this record and my next few records all have all have a path carved out for them now with it being myself. So yeah, very, very happy. I'm in a podcast interview, Paul. <laughs> they're ready for us. They're ready for us to start getting set up on stage, but oh, don't cool. worry. We've we've oh. got we've got some time. I'll I'll uh, power through a little bit. <laughs> um, oh, sorry. all good. This is this is life on the road. I've got my <laughs> I've got my little nook here at the venue, and I'm and I I tried to tell the right people, but Paul's really he's production yeah, manager. Cool. He's really on it. So <laughs> sure. Um, of course, one of the the leading singles for the album, uh, the witness. Um, could you talk a bit about that song, kind of how it came about? I mean, obviously you you've incorporated piano much more into that, which we we touched on earlier there. Yeah, this song was. It's one of the one of my most proud moments as a songwriter is this song. Um, it was heavily heavily inspired by my first relationship, which, you know everybody brings their own shit into a relationship you know and i think that your first your first real relationship is is kind of learning that um you can have a friendship and you can have this uh these like awesome moments but what you're bringing individually to the table is very important and i I very much took on a lot of uh, a lot of elements of my first partner that I that I found no longer helpful. And um, witness was about kind of releasing that responsibility from myself of saying, you know what, I am not I'm not responsible for your path, and um, you know upon deciding to not be together it's like you you're you're free to go do what you what you will and and i'd much rather be alone in my heartbreak and you know kind of claim claim the heartbreak and and a lot of ways it made it a lot easier to get through Mm. uh by realizing that you know we're all responsible for ourselves at the end of the day Mm. um what do you feel kind of the album the prize what what do you think it means to you well what is it what does it mean to you personally and that that overall message that you're trying to put across i've been saying the phrase that i kind of coined when it comes to this record is the passing of the baton from girlhood to womanhood um you know especially through the actual music and through the lyricism and the overall tone of um you know what i'm kind of saying there's a lot of uh, especially in the second half of the record it's a lot you have like you know learning to love yourself and you know protect your protect yourself but love other you know just a lot of that stuff and um you know when i was younger i mean i started playing rock and roll when i was so young we were covering you know the scorpions like we were covering like all these songs like i was covering acdc i was singing a lot of uh you know playing a lot of the more like rock riffs and um you know covering joan jett and i love joan jett and but she's she's more of that like 
black leather pants, rock and roll. And, and I definitely went through that era and that phase. But um, I think the beauty of this record was me defining my own style of rock and roll, which is that, you know, now I'm, and I didn't do this on purpose, but my dress is hanging right back right there. <laughs> and um, I, I now really enjoy wearing a dress on stage, which if you asked the 12 year old version of me, I would have told you I'm never wearing a dress on stage. I would never play a pink guitar. Um, I wouldn't use my falsetto. You know, it was about, it was about rock and roll. And you know, I I look back at a lot of the songs that I was singing and a lot of them were like sexualizing women and, and just had like kind of that more raunchy tone to it, which there's, you know, there's a time and a place for that kind of energy. But I think I absorbed so much of that when I was young that it really made me have a distaste for my own femininity. And it made me look at myself through this um rock and roll leather lens which that that took a lot of took a lot of like kind of breaking it down and and realizing that you know yes i can wear a dress on stage um i was in the studio with sam that i said you know i think i'm ready for a pink guitar like at the the first like two weeks of us working on this record and like kind of feeling the lyrics in a different way and and i was like you know what i think that would be great and and he actually surprised me a few weeks later i'd said it once and he he bought me the most beautiful shell pink Tom Anderson guitar that I've ever seen. And that's what I'm playing on tour right now. And so everything kind of has come full circle for me with this record. And, and um, you know, and I think it has a lot of the, the feminine tone and, and stuff to it, but I think it's informative for anybody, um, any age, any gender. It's really just about embracing yourself and embracing your own thing. <laughs> There's Jen. Say hi to Jen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's uh, it's it's been a very healing record to not only write but especially to record and then tenfold to release and really really make my own way. So, mm. I mean, of course, you're on tour now, and it's been a bit of a, a busy period. Recently, mm-hmm. been in the UK playing like arenas. Yeah, I mean, I saw it. wasn't it Wembley. <laughs> Uh, a yeah. few days ago it's like i mean that must have been an experience uh dream come true to put <laughs> it lightly uh it's been it's been a whirlwind of a tour and getting to return to europe uh on these stages has been really incredible and humbling and i'm i'm really grateful for this experience and it's it's vastly different from uh the last two tours that i did over here which i i like to tell people to put it into perspective the first time i toured over in europe in like 2017 uh i was literally like sleeping above a gas station in spain (laughs) and and it was uh it was a it was a different it was a different vibe but you know i I wouldn't be here without those tours so i'm uh i'm appreciative of it all but playing wembley was pretty spectacular so i can imagine um a question i was like to to finish on that ask every guest Mm -hmm. um 
It's a bit of a hypothetical one. Uh, if you could tour with one band or musician from the past and one from the present, who would they be? Oh, well. Everybody struggles. They go, oh, my God. <laughs> from the past is pretty easy for me, actually, and that would yeah. 100% be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Uh, yes. I, I adore I adore Tom. I got, to, I got the chance to see him, uh, I think, four or five times growing up. And um, two weeks before he passed away, we both played Cabo Del Mar, this festival in San Diego. And I actually ended up naming my dog Cabo after um. that festival because that was the closest <laughs> I was ever going to come to sharing a bill with Tom. Um, and I've gotten the chance to... Uh, to befriend Steve Ferroni since um, the drummer for Tom for, for the last like 20 years. And uh, he he's started playing some of the songs off of the prize on his Sirius XM show. And and I got to hang with him out in L.A. for a for a little bit. And, and that would that would be the one would be Tom Petty for sure. Mm. Um, and then from the present well i mean to be honest i mean greta van fleet is i mean you've already you've already gone for like a top one already yeah. you already take that one off the list yeah that that's definitely fantastic but <laughs> hmm let's see a different one i love brandy carlisle um okay. i think like her or show crow or uh, Fiona Apple. I think I haven't had the opportunity to tour with um, with too many strong women. So okay. I think that it's it's kind of hard for me to pick. Um, but definitely, definitely one of those. I have much respect for those women, and it would be lovely to to share some time and share the stage with them sometime. Mm. Um. Of course, for those that want to go and grab a copy, you can pre-order the prize via the link in the description below. And um, you'll be back in the UK next year as well, won't you, at some point? I, I will. <laughs> yes. I uh, I know that it is late May into June. And, uh, we'll be we're... here on, uh, magically under the... Uh, in the description for people that want to grab that. Yes, check it out. Get your tickets. And yeah, the Hell in the Hallway tour will be coming back to the UK. And, and I'm, I'm thrilled to return. So, mm -hmm. Yes. So uh, if you want to check that out, obviously, all that is in the, the uh, link in the description below. Thank you very much for joining me, Hannah, and taking the Thank time you. on tour as well. You're, you're the first one that's been literally on a tour while, <laughs> while we do a podcast. Oh, yes. Well, I hope everyone can uh, can forgive yeah, and, yeah. and see the see the the chaos of through the, the looking glass seeing into ah, the <laughs> yes very nice I like that um, thank you so much Ryan this is lovely you're oh it's been cool.